Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. With over 200,000 locations throughout the U.S. and offering 12,000 different types of batteries, stop into your local Interstate Battery store today and let them help you find the right batteries for your everyday life. XP podcast with your host Steve Fielder and me Chris Powell. If you're ready to up your game to extreme performance, sit back, buckle up, and hang on for another exciting episode of Houndsman XP. Welcome to the Houndsman XP podcast. And we're in for another great episode today. Uh, we've got my partner in crime, Steve Fielder, on the line with us. Steve, how are you today? I'm just doing great, Chris. Really good. So uh, what have you been up to lately? <laughs> You've been working me too hard. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to be retired. No. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm retired all right. <laughs> no, this was the writing week. Uh, I do a couple of uh, articles for CNH Publishing, American Cooner Magazine. And so I've been writing, been burning some brain cells this week. Well, I'll tell you what, it wouldn't take much of that for me to uh, burn my brain cells up. I'm I'm working and trying to do a podcast and and uh, try to keep the wheels on this thing and I'll tell you what, it's going to get a whole lot easier right now, I think, with this announcement that we're getting ready to make for all our listeners. And, Steve, do you want to do the honors or you want me to launch it? Well, I think uh, I'm sitting here uh, just excited to hear about it. I I want to hear it myself, so you go ahead. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have got a sponsor, a title sponsor for the Houndsman XP podcast, and we are so excited to have W hound supply come on as a uh, title sponsor for us and we have got buddy woodbury the founder of w hound supply on the line with us to help us make this announcement and uh, get some background on w uh buddy how are you today Uh, i'm pretty good you guys make me sound pretty cool (laughs) a lot cooler than than i really am guys yeah yeah, well, buddy, uh, why don't we just start out by talking about W and uh, uh, give us a background on the company and and where we're where you're operating from and and I'm just going to turn it over to you and you can introduce. I can't imagine anybody really needs an introduction to W. I mean, I see you guys everywhere. I've been a customer for several years. I've always been impressed with uh, the service I get from W. Uh, I I don't know how many how much you invest in stickers and calendars, but I've got stickers and calendars and, and, uh, your shirts are off the charts as far as style. When I walked around APA breed days this year, uh, I thought you guys were a sponsor at APA breed days, as many hoodies and, uh, W hoodies that I saw on people walking around there. So just chime in here, buddy, and let us know about a little bit about W. No, you're doing good. <laughs> you keep talking. You do a lot better than I would. Um, 
man, I, I, you know, the truth is, is we're just, we're really kind of humble, you know, like it's still a real humble experience for us to even go to those things and see, see our logo. And, and I mean, me and my wife both are just like, can you believe that? You know, we just talk to ourselves and we just sometimes can't believe what, what this has become. It didn't start like that, but it actually, uh, you know, it, it started with a bunch of mistakes and we just finally got one right. And, and that was, you know, finding the right customer base, you know, that we kind of liked and, and it just, our customers took us there, you know, it, it, we always, I don't know, we put a little email there, you know, at the end, it just kind of reminds us that it's our customers that have got us where we are and, and not so much, uh, you know, yeah, we gotta, we gotta pull the right strings and we gotta do the right thing. And, but as long as, as you put the work in it, hound, hound guys are pretty cool. You know, and dog, dog guys, hound guys, they all, it's a really cool community, I guess. So where, where is W, uh, located buddy? Washington state, if you can imagine that, you know, state that has, has lost a lot of hunting, you know, uh, I think it was 96, the initiative over here in Washington for cougars and bears and bobcats. Uh, so yeah, ironically, we're out of Washington state and, uh, it's, it's been, you know, when I got in hounds, I, I was kind of right after the ban. Um, I got with a guy who was doing some, some bear work and, and, you know, learned through the ropes. And so that's just, that's the cards we had to deal with, you know, is, is, is Washington. We, we, we love it. We do a lot of shipping. Um, and, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you know, our, our biggest customer base is of course out of the state. So, and you've got a pretty extensive internet, inter, uh, uh, website on the internet. We'll get to that because we definitely want people to know where to find you, but, uh, you guys just did a, an overhaul on your internet. It's awesome. By the way, it, it really flows well on, on, uh, a mobile device for me. Uh, it's real easy to navigate, but, uh, so tell us about, tell us about getting involved in I, I gotta ask this how in the world does a guy get involved in hounds after the ban after after it all after it all starts shutting down and the world starts coming down around you you know um it all before w like but hound supply I, I i had w graphics before and it wasn't even about hounds it started out about deer and elk decals um mm-hmm didn't fly, you know what I mean? It was more of a, an expensive hobby if you, if you would, but, um, I, I got in, in, involved with OUSDA early on. I had a friend, uh, and actually, you know, his name is Tim Cook, uh, out of, uh, he's over in North Plains now or, or Yamhill or somewhere, but he, he brought me into, uh, OUSDA and, and the guy named Rod Clawwater who passed away was, was president back then. And it was just the hound organization that, that really showed me the behind the scenes on what it takes to do something politically, you know, how much tell effort it, it takes. And so that's tell us where what, we started. Buddy, you know? tell us what uh, OUSDA is, because if we start talking acronyms and I'll have to start throwing yeah. out military acronyms and stuff and, <laughs> and that'll get messy. Yeah. O Oregon United Sporting Dog Association. So, okay. So yeah, I, I, and Right now, I'm, I'm a vice president on that board. Um, I won't. I won't. I, I tell people I, I won't take president and I won't take treasurer. You know, those are the two two positions I won't take with W because I don't want conflict of interest. But mm -hmm. um, they put me in as, as vice president, um, and it just 
it really showed me how much work goes behind the scenes and, and you don't see it you know it's not out there in front of people but there's a there's a handful of guys in every state that really work tirelessly to fight for everybody and and so that's kind of how the the ball started rolling when when I got involved and and then slowly my business started following my passion and so um, OESDA was was kind of at the starting point of that so so you had hounds and then you got mm-hmm. involved in OS, OUSDA and then that's when the business kicked in behind it is that is that what I'm hearing yeah yeah it, it uh because I had a sticker machine you know back, back when I worked at Intel I I knew at some point you know a corporate job just wasn't going to be it for me right I didn't realize what was going to be I didn't realize this was it either but you know, <laughs> somewhere in between you know um so I, I, I would go to a, a local sportsman show and we'd we'd make these elk decals and 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 you know funny decals on you know Calvin P and on anti hunter you know all these different things you'd right. you'd see at one of the little swap meets and we'd try to sell those and gosh I take a week off of vacation for Intel to to make the less money that Intel would pay me to go do this show but it was kind of cool taking money you know I mean you're you're moving money back and forth and making decals and. <laughs> We'd have to prep decals for two weeks before to take a week off vacation. To, essentially, I was just basically giving money to Intel. You know, uh, it, it wasn't a business. It wasn't anything that was going to sustain sustain me. But it was sure fun, and it took me a little while to realize that I was spinning my wheels and going nowhere. Um, so, so then the decals kind of tied into the the dogs and stuff. So yeah. that's, that's kind of how it started. You know, once I was like, oh, there's Steve- no dog decal, so I make a dog decal. Steve's got a question, and he's going to chime in here in a second, but I want clarification because when you Google DU Supply, you get DU Hound Supply and you get DU Hunting Supply. Which which is the official name of your company, buddy? Uh, the official name is WLLC. Um, <laughs> but we, we <laughs> okay. really more confusing for you. Yeah, yeah So we started question. out as W Graphics in – and uh, it, it was W Graphics first, and we were actually selling hound supplies as W Graphics. We still get some customers that still refer to us as W Graphics. And then about that time, it was it was trying to make a website, and um, I needed to make a, you know, not a long website, but so we needed to do a change because graphics just wasn't going to help us grow. We didn't have a good logo, you know. I had the, the, this corny logo, and and so the effort was made, and and. You know, this is the, the learnings I did was, okay, WLLC, because I didn't know where I was going to go. I knew, I, by this time, I already had three failing things, you know, three three things I tried that failed. So I was like, well, W Graphics didn't work. I think we tried Tough Girl. I think we tried Sportsman's Decals, and we tried a bunch of different things um, to sell. You know, Tree Dog Wear, mm-hmm. we've kind of abandoned that, uh, but... So, so that's why I said WLLC is because then at least I can, I can be W, you know, parking lot cleaner you know what I mean? <laughs> and just keep moving. You know, this, this hound thing don't work out. I can go sweep parking lots or something, you know, which I've already tried that once. It didn't work. But um, so that's why it's WLLC is because I can move where I need to move um, for that. But and, and hunting supplies we went with because I, st- I just don't want to narrow me down too much so that I can if I ever have the opportunity to branch out to deer and elk or, you know, a little bigger consumer market, I can. And mm-hmm. so the word hound 
I, I just stayed away from that just because I've already narrowed myself so many times before. So, so W Hunting Supply would be the, the, what I do business as, and that's what my website is. All right. Buddy, uh, let's drill down a little bit farther. It, tell me what W means. What is the significance of W? Yeah, so, so I always joke, it's either the smartest thing I did or the stupidest thing I did. Um, so my last name is Woodbury, and, and it starts with a W. And if you go back to the graphics days, I didn't want to call myself Woodbury Graphics. So, and I also didn't want to be last in the phone book because I thought phone books were going to be where you got all your business from. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I thought, oh, I don't want to be AAA graphics because, you know, that was just not original. So, so I, I cleverly came up with the word, you know, W is a way to say my, my last name is Woodbury. And uh, the funny thing is, is for, for 10 years, I don't know how long I've been doing this, every time I call a vendor that doesn't know me, I got to spell out, <laughs> you know, I can't, there's all the W graphics. Uh, I can't find you. Well, that's because you're looking in the W's and you need to look in the D's, you know, so, so I always <laughs> joke that I have, to, I have to spell it out almost every time. But once you get it, the, yeah, it, it, I was going to say, the, the smartest thing is, is once I have to explain that, it's kind of like a, a jolt that happens where, aha. You, you know, if, if it's just, yeah, it's an aha moment, you yeah. know what I mean? So they don't forget it, you know, so... Um, that, that's, that's the, the clever part about it, which was not intended. I mean, I had no intention on that, but just the things I've learned is, is if you have a real smooth transaction, nobody remembers that. But if you, if you got to argue and explain your name every time, they, they kind of remember that. <laughs> well, I want to know a little bit more about the company. Okay. I'm one of these guys out here east of the Mississippi and we're up to our, uh, chins and coons and coon hounds in eastern mountains we've got a lot of bear hunters we've got bobcat hunters and all those things we've got fox hunters beaglers all these things but i want to know the core of your business obviously it's not graphics anymore although your graphics are great as chris has said and and they're very visual what is the core of the w business and what can that business mean to the listeners of Houndsman XP? Um, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I, I always, you know, I always refer back to the, the, the big game and, and by big game, I include kind of Bobcat, Coyote, you know, um, the varmint seem to be, if I'd say our core customers, um, has been that way, you know, bear, cougar, Bobcat, um, you know, coyote, we've got some deer and, and hog. Um, but I, I like to think of it more as like the more dedicated hunter, if that makes sense. You know, uh, it seems like a lot of our customers, I mean, this isn't like, oh, you, you get a dog and you go out, you know, twice a season. It's like you're, if you got weekends, you're hunting every weekend or you're going out after work three days a week or, you know what I mean? Like the dog is a central part of their lifestyle. Right. You know, it's not just in hobby, other, you know, in other words, weeks. they're are extreme houndsmen, right? These guys are extreme yeah. houndsmen. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and that's kind of one of the reasons we get a lot of people, uh, not to sidetrack you, but everybody asks us about a pro staff and, you know, cause we put pro staff on some of our sweatshirts and, and we've made the decision that most of our customers would kind of qualify as, as a pro staff for most businesses. And so, you know, we've kind of just, where we don't go pick a couple 
guys because it'd be really difficult. You know, shoot, there's guys that hunt a lot more than I do, or, or you know, next to the next guy. And so, a lot of our customers we kind of consider that pro staff. You know, so so that's kind of why we did that. Yep, yep, makes sense. Well, what is your background with hounds, buddy? I mean, what uh, individually? I mean, you know, personally is the word I want to use. Uh, how much are you involved with hounds? I know you're very busy with your business now, but uh, just just let our listeners know a little bit about you and your experience with the dogs. Well, I am really hard-headed, and I don't learn as good, and so I keep trying, and I and I, I feel like I'm getting a lot better, but uh, I I have four right now. I like to keep about three to four is where. I've learned that um, for me personally, I'm not as good of a trainer as, as some people are. And so back when I was trying to, and, and I also just strictly really focus on, on cats as, as much as I can. Because right. I just, I, I, there's guys that can, can train multi-purpose dogs. I'm not one of them. You know, when I, when I was trying to, you know, I was hunting bears on some deprivation permits and stuff. Well, my dogs would chase the elk and the coyotes and it, you know, it was just like either, it was either all or nothing, you know, so. So I kind of um, learned, I don't know how many years ago, that I just do better just keep my dog, dogs focused on one one animal, and that, that tends to be a cat. Right. Um, well, I would assume that your experience with the dogs has, has greatly helped you, especially in the customer service area of W. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? You know, um, yeah, it, it, it helps me relate to the customer. So, so, and, and, and I got to remind some of my staff, you know, that may not be, you know, dog hunters that it's a pretty big deal when something goes wrong with this equipment. You know, it's easy to, to just think, oh, well, you just got to do this or, you know, you lost your maps or whatever. But, but when you're, when your whole world's out there in the woods and something goes wrong, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty big deal, you know? So, so that really helps me relate. When I see an issue, I can relate to that feeling. I've lost a dog. You know, I've spent three days, you know, before Garmin in, in a canyon, hiking a canyon every day, looking for a dog, just praying to watch that dog come out of the, the canyon. And uh, so sometimes it's, it's, you know, if you're just looking at the business side of things, whether it's, you know, Garmin or somebody who hasn't hunted or hasn't spent behind, you know, letting their dog go, it's easy to not see that relationship that, you know, this customer can be either upset or, you know, frustrated. And, and so to relate to them is, is been really helpful. I'm sure. Can you imagine a day before Garmin or as we say back here, beep, beep collars and all that? I can. <laughs> I know. I, I, I can. can too. <laughs> yeah, yes, I can. Yeah. yeah. When you talk about frustration, oh man, those years growing up and, and hunting in West Virginia and those hills and hollows and losing a dog. And there's nothing more frustrating, more painful than that. So I definitely get what you're talking about there. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've, I've fallen asleep to that beep like so many times in a truck and you wake up and the beep's gone and you're like, crap, I gotta go find another kid and to go drive and, and listen to the beep again, you know, at three in the morning. Oh, oh yeah. I remember the days when, uh, of course, we all use plywood dog boxes back in those days. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, 
unload. I used to build dog boxes light enough so that I could set them out of the truck and stake the door open so the dog would be there the next day because we weren't even using beep beep collars in uh, 83. I remember when I got my first wildlife material system and I thought I just moved into the big leagues and uh but i re- i remember setting those you know setting those dog boxes out and coming back the next day and a hound poking his head out of the door and thinking yeah i wish you to come back last night <laughs> yes <laughs> the dt3 that What's... was the one that was my first one the dt3 the little box on the end on the yagi antenna and uh it would track three collars and those wildlife collars. Yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> yep. Yep. For sure. So what what year would you say that um Steve you Steve, I think you were gonna ask this question, what year W hunting supply actually kicked off, buddy? I mean, how long have you been in business serving the houndsmen across the United States? So so real quick, I I uh established the business when I started trying to make a business, it was about 2000. It was when I bought that first sticker machine. So that's when the word W started forming, trying to make a business. Um, about 2010, maybe, um, my wife quit her job and started working with the business full time. Actually, I can tell you when it was. It was like 2009. Now I'm going to get in trouble because I don't remember my, my boy's birthday, but I think it's 2009. Was mm-hmm. she uh, started working from home when she when we had her first son, and she kind of really started putting the wheels on it, you know. Um, you know, I always say she, you know took the the square wheels and started making them round, yeah, <laughs> and um, put put the effort on it, and so she really got the thing started where where we had something, and by the time my my so that would have been two thousand nine, where we were selling hound supplies and and you know, just getting into the Garmin and Tritronics all that when it first started hitting. And then uh, my daughter was born in uh, 2011, and that was when my wife pretty much, you know, dang near in tears, pretty much told me that I either, you know, we either shut W down or I quit Intel. It's, it's either we do this or we don't do it. And so we had a, a lot of discussion, you know, I, was, I mean, that was a hard, hard thing to, to leave a, you bet. a, a decent paying job with, with benefits and all that, but... But it just got to the point where, you know, having two kids, you know, and, and, and the boy not quite understanding that mom's attention had to get, you know, spread between, you know, the new baby. And then there's this thing called W, you know, and, and, and so she was actually having to lock him in a, the, the, the turning point was she had to lock him in the bedroom. You know, he was screaming and mad and, and because uh, she, she had a phone call and she had to try and take a phone call. And, and all our customers were really cool if they would have known, but uh, that day she said this is it this i'm not doing that no more you know and and so we just had a real come to jesus moment and you know and we just said okay we're gonna try it does your wife hunt yes she does yeah she's actually a better dog handler trainer than i am probably my wife is too but i can't get her to get her to go hunting with me she can uh, she was teaching my blue tick puppy to fetch on the porch last night you know i'm lucky to I, it seems like I, I I struggle to get them to sit when they come out of the kennel, and here she is on the porch talking nice to them, and and got this puppy fetching. So she, I call her the dog napper. She is yeah. She's the world's I, worst I've dog learned. <laughs> I've gotten better. You know, I used to be a little too hard, and so the dogs just wouldn't even listen to me. 
and, and I've just kind of learned that there's got to be a balance. And yeah, so. yeah. But yeah, she likes to go, and she she uh, she loves the dogs. I mean, absolutely. She probably would have been more of a, you know, with, with the wrong person. She probably would have been on the wrong side of this political aspect. But she absolutely loves these dogs, and and the fact that they have a job, and um, she's really good at it. You know, a lot of people don't realize how much uh, these dogs mean not only to us as hunters, but also to our families. And uh, when we were working with the Hoosier Tree Dog Alliance and developing or copying the Don't Shoot My Dog campaign, we actually got that idea from Michigan and probably after a conversation I had with you, Steve. But uh, that's one of the things that that, uh, we used to raise awareness with prosecutors and police officers when they responded to a, a hound that had been shot was you know you've not only just killed killed a, hunt, a valuable hunting dog but you've you've taken an important part of the family away from because my kids I've, i posted pictures the other day of my son he's 18 now and he's probably four years old with a little mountain cur uh they just were always with me doing stuff like that so that's what people fail to understand that are not in the hound sports and not houndsmen and I don't think we've done a good job on on portraying that sometimes. You know, I think sometimes we just like to be in the woods. You know, we like to we like to play with our dogs in the woods away from cameras and people and attention. And so we let other people describe what who we are as a group and and that's not always good. Exactly, buddy. We've uh, for far too long we've let the media uh, people that really don't understand it all, just like you said, define who we are. And that's part of the reason that we're, we're having this discussion today and that, that we have this Houndsman XP podcast is to change that, uh, that dynamic, try to get people thinking in a different direction because what we're doing is good and more people need to know that it's good. Yeah, I, and that's that's probably one of the the main reasons that I even you know considered joining you guys. You know, I'm pretty I'm pretty careful with with our brand, and uh, that was the the thing that I noticed is is you guys were really trying to make an effort on the political side. Well, it seems like that that was a mutual thing there, buddy. Because before I decided to pursue W as a sponsor, um, I spent some time on your website and looked around at all the different organizations, state organizations that you provide a space, a place where somebody can go and find their state hound organization on your website. Um, They can join there. You've got their logos there. Uh, All those things are there. And then when I talk to other houndsmen, uh, they're like, man, buddy, buddy helps us with fundraising or you know he just helps us out with our events and and i just couldn't find anybody that that said that you were in it just to uh you know build a brand you were actually out there trying to put something back into the sport and that's why i I thought it was so important to to pursue you uh so and we like that part about you too sounds like a big kumbaya session Thank you. Yeah, we just pat each other on the back over here. Let me have have part of this group hug. Okay, go ahead. I I talked to my very long-time good friends up in the Upper Peninsula, Michigan, Joe and Nancy Hudson. 
Uh, I've known them forever. Wow, I, had to pay, I had to pay those guys a lot of money to say something good about me. <laughs> and here I'm talking to Joe. We get we talk about twice a year, and when we do, it's a long one. And he's telling me all about Buddy and all about W and all about what uh, W is trying to do for the houndsmen. And then we fast forward to just this past week when Chris and I uh, were interviewing a guest that will be coming up, I think, in a week or so, right. Mike Thorman with the Michigan Hunting Dog Federation. Guess whose name comes up? So uh, <laughs> I think that uh, uh, those things, you know, in my background, buddy, uh, you know, that was the most rewarding uh, part of the job that I held for many, many years with the registries was that, uh, that legislative work. And, uh, it's, it's a fire that burns down deep in my soul and I know it does yours. And I think that's just one of the reasons aside from the great products and the great customers service and the, and and people can tell just from this conversation that you're the real deal and those are all the things that came to the forefront with us and and we're just um, really uh, pleased that that we're going to be working with you going forward yeah joe and, and nancy and and mike thorman and a lot of the guys in wisconsin i mean michigan and, and wisconsin Really, those two states are really good organization. You know, as far as I know, they have their ups and downs. You know, I, I, they, everybody's got their drama sometimes, but uh, they've really I've, I've I've had the opportunity to to sit down and just meet with those guys, and 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 they they've been working at this a long time. You know, they they got a lot of their political stuff kind of I don't say figured out because it's never quite figured out, but but they got a lot of experience that that I've tried to learn from. So I. I can try to help them where, where I can, but I definitely probably take more from that relationship than they do. Well, they certainly do take it to heart. And, and I was fortunate to live in Michigan for about, oh, I don't know, uh, 20 years close to it and worked with those guys. And, and uh, yeah, they have a heart for it and they have the knowledge and they get it done up there. They really do an amazing job. Really do. Yeah. Well, at, at just what point did you decide that this political aspect of the hound world was something that you wanted to be involved in? I mean, did it was it always there or is it something that became clear was, to you and you had an epiphany one day or what? You know, like I said, it all relates back to Oregon. And um, I was just in that group with with Rod and 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 zip and, and some of the old timers out of Oregon that are are still running the ship or, or you know we're trying to take it over for them as, as a couple of us younger guys but but you know Ted Craddock some of those older guys mm -hmm. that you just really gotta to learn and you know they'd have their annual convention and, and that's how you kind of raise some money to you know do something you know politically whether you build a bank account to, to fend them off for the next time but these guys you could just tell I wasn't a part of that that ballot measure, you know, 18 and, and 94. You know, it was it was before my time, um, and, and and I wasn't a voting age. But you could just see that that heartbreak in these guys. That this was their livelihood, and they lost it. Yeah. And so you know that that's kind of what just re re resonated with me. And and once you start getting in that group, 
you start learning, you know, California and CHC and and Utah, and so just naturally, hmm. um, you just learn those guys that are that are trying and putting their heart and soul into not only chasing their dogs but trying to fix something for their kids and their grandkids, you know, which which is double duty. It's easy to just grab a dog, go out in the woods, and go go hunt. But then to come back and go, well, now we need to do it for my, my kids so that they can do it later. So you just start meeting those guys, and, and it's, it's hard not to just want to help. You know, that, so it's, it's not as, I, I don't know, I, give me more credit than it is. When you actually talk to them, you got to kind of be heartless to be like, no. You know, so so it just, you just want to be helpful. I got it. I was at the UKC when all that came down and uh, with one of my hats there was legislative affairs. And and uh, as as I remember, what do they call that corridor down through Oregon there? There was something oh, about Willamette, uh, Willamette Valley. Yeah, Willamette Valley, probably. I don't um, oh, the I-5 I, corridor. I think that's yeah. And I think that's where most of the opposition came from, I think. Yeah. Um, to the hounds people and out to those of us out east uh you know that was a domino that that was going to fall and in fact did fall and uh, it was a wake-up call for a lot of people across the country and it was about that time that i formed the state canine awareness network through ukc uh, we called it scan we had the little pens with the empty dog collar to signify if we lose our sport, all we'll have to remember to remind us of our dogs are their empty collars. And we, you know, it was just, there was just such a feeling of, of loss all across the mm-hmm. hound community at that time. And I, I can definitely see how that would affect you as well. I remember when, yeah, it's taken I remember a while. when it all happened for me, um, it scared me. I was like, you know, if they can lose this in the West, I always thought it was safe and being young and naive. So as I was working for the DNR at the time and, and that kind of spurred me on to to wake up and pay a little bit more attention to what's going on around you because man, that was that was a that was a scary deal and then we just watched the dominoes continue to to fall. Yeah, and it's it's hard politically to rally after a loss, you know what I mean? Once you, you get beat down, I mean, you know, there's something to be said for you, you lose, and then, and then you, you know, we lost in 96, they lost, you know, the, the, the trying to get it back, and, and it takes a while to get something, you know, you kind of need some positive feedback, you know, just, you know, keep fighting and losing, it just beats everybody down, and the morale goes down, and so it's, it's, it's just, Hopefully, you know, there's a lot more cougar problems and we're kind of starting to, you know, see the, the fruits of that, that ballot measure 18 and, and uh, I don't know what the answer is, but it's, it's, it's starting coming full circle now, you know. Well, that's good. Adversely, out in Michigan, when we faced that Proposition D right about the same time, that would, would have stopped uh, bear hunting over bait and with hounds. Uh, it was a referendum issue, and we defeated it 60 to 40. And that, uh-huh. you know, re- greatly encouraged the efforts out that way. And you mentioned the Michigan 
uh, organizations and the Wisconsin organizations. I remember at that time, Wisconsin was just a fledgling uh, organization with a lot of uh, drama, as you say, and not doing mm -hmm. much at all. But uh, when they saw what happened in Michigan and what could be done, then it inspired other people to to get involved as well. So, and I tell you, you go to their annual convention and it is impressive. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the, in central Wisconsin, like I, I, every time I sit back in an awe, I mean, they can drink a lot of beer, but um, they are there and, and they are- It's Wisconsin. They're, <laughs> yeah, that's why I, I didn't get that memo, right? I'm, I'm not a big drinker, but but uh, yeah, they, they, you know, cases and cases and cases, but but man, they come together in, you know, Michigan oh, yeah. and, and that, but, but Wisconsin has a big convention and I don't know if it's 2,000 or 3,000 people come in on this place and right. I remember the first year, we had a guy tell us, he goes, you got to come to this show in, in Wisconsin. We don't do shows very often, you know, so you don't see us at a lot of the events and shows. Um, it's just not part of our business model. But So we show up, me, it was me and Matt, and uh, we, we, we had a suitcase full of stuff. So, you know, we're thinking, okay, whatever. You know, we've been to a lot of these different events, and normally they're small, and, you know, coming from the West. And, and uh, me and Matt set up our stuff, and it's like noon on Friday. You know, we're a couple of hours in, and so we're almost sold out. And we come around the corner, we're like, yeah, and they're, how are you doing? Oh, that's good. And they're... And we're like, yeah, we're doing good. We got this and that. And he goes, well, you haven't even hit the busy day. <laughs> we got an empty table. And we're like, well, we better learn to talk because we don't got nothing to sell. So, <laughs> so that was the first day. And it was amazing how many pound guys came through that place. Well, um, buddy, but, if you could remember what it was like before they got to that point, you would be truly amazed because yeah, they, it, there was a lot of infighting. And I don't, I know, you know, we're not naming names, but people would admit this, you know, there was no leadership and no one knew which way to go, but boy, they came over. I remember them coming to the UP Bear Houndsman uh, banquet that Joe and Nancy put on every year up there. And I was privileged to speak at that a few times and, and, you know, and, and there would, they just came uh, with an open mind and and said teach us you know how to do this how you're doing this how are you raising thirty thousand dollars a year at your banquet and uh, man they took the yeah. ball and ran with it and have done a phenomenal job yeah yeah absolutely well buddy um steve and i have agreed to let you ask us some questions as well are you prepared to do that? Yeah. <laughs> all all the cards so, are on the table. So so oh, uh, we're now gonna, it's my we're turn. Gonna, this is yeah, now it's huh? your turn. <laughs> well, so my, my first question I guess is you know what kind of intrigued me was, you know, and and Steve being up north and and you're you're Indiana, I think, right? I am Indiana. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, I'm living in Florida now, buddy, but I lived up north for many years. So, so being on that east side, you know, and, and I know Steve was real heavy in the, the UKC and, and, you know, the, the coon hunting stuff, but it seems like you guys talk about a lot of the western issues, and so that was one of the things that, for me, um, both raised an eyebrow, I guess, and, and I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that because, you know, I don't hear a lot of that, you know, Minus the the northern, you know, North Carolina. I, I know there's some some. It's not all, you know, black and white. But 
but just coming from that Indiana and that, that coon hunting world, I was just really surprised to hear you guys talking a lot about that. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I can go first, Steve, if you don't mind. Not at all. Well, with my background uh, in wildlife management or actually enforcement, um, you know, I have my ear to the ground about a lot of issues happening across the West um, and also in the East. And even though there were some lost uh, battles, I guess you could say, in Washington and Oregon, you know, I still watched how Western houndsmen uh, came together and united and and set up some some very strong alliances out there uh people in the west or i've spent not enough time out there i wish i could i wish i could move my family there but uh my observation of people in the west is you have a house to stay in but you live outside and you're very people in the west are very in touch with with the natural resources and and the mountains and just being outdoors so those things are very near and dear to them and so it seems that you've got a little better strategy of how to deal with some of the controversy or, or some of the attacks on our hunting rights um, some of the biggest organizations in the world are, are in the west and uh, so that's that's why i i started paying attention to what was happening in the West and then tried to bring some of that stuff back to the East. Not that I went out there and, and observed it, but just from my observations and trying to uh, emulate some of that same concern for the resource. You know, these hound sports back here are very, very important to a lot of people. Uh, I think sometimes we get tunnel vision about what the hound sport involves uh, it's not just about me and my dog, because if we can't come up with a strategy to um, be involved in this fight effectively against the anti-hunting crowd, then we're going to lose it. And we've already seen, like I said, I mean, that scared, that, that scared, it startled me and scared me. I thought, man, if Washington can lose, Oregon can lose, what's next, you know, and, and it's coming this way and, and we're never going to defeat this one state at a time you know the the houndsman indiana in indiana can't survive a multi-million dollar organization like hsus that would come in here and drop millions and millions of dollars into stopping our hound sports and so that's why we set up the model of the hoosier tree dog alliance we did look at other successful conservation models that uh, jerry mall and i did uh, together and we looked at those models like National Wild Turkey Federation, Ducks Unlimited, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, and tried to bring some of that same business model, if you will, to houndsmen in the state of Indiana. Uh, we are not to the level of Michigan or Wisconsin bear hunters. Uh, we've had our ups and our downs, but guys have really got these people, guys and gals, whoever's turning the hound loose back east here has got to realize that it's not just about your next night hunt or your night champion win or uh, the money at a, at a money hunt or something like that, because we got to wake up and we got to become involved. And so that's, that's, what's been my driving factor, buddy. Yeah. Well, that's, buddy, that's, if well, I that's could, probably why I'm, I'm, I'm there. Yeah. Steve. Well, no, I, uh, I know that uh, what Chris is 
is telling you is is exactly true. Uh, I come at this thing from a lot of different angles, I guess. You know, I grew up the son of a bear hunter. Uh, we big game hunting was job one in our family. Um, then I had the opportunity to go to work for the registries and and those uh, we worked more closely with the coonhound people. But I never lost my love for the big game hound uh, and big game hunting. My Western experience came in, in pieces. I, I st- uh, lived in West Texas for a year and hunted out there when I was in the Air Force. I later uh, made friendships with uh, Gary Washburn in New Mexico and hunted hounds on uh, hunted bear on horseback with hounds in in the Lincoln National Forest in uh, uh, in southern New Mexico, and then through a professional guide, Tom David, out in uh, in Arizona, I was fortunate to go out and hunt the White Mountain Apache Reservation out there, hunting bear with hounds. And then uh, I've hunted uh, coon in Wyoming. Uh, the West, for me, is a spiritual place. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I love the outdoors and I always have, but I've always had just this this drawing, like Chris says, it would be great to be able to live out there. But in the bigger s- scheme of things, we're all houndsmen whether we live in the West and we pursue a mountain lion on dry ground or we're down here in the swamps of Florida wading water up to our chins (laughs) with a nice stick to take care of the cotton mouse and and hopefully don't run into an alligator. We all are cut from the same cloth. We love a hound. We love to listen to the hound. We thrill to the chase. We love the dogs like family members, as we've discussed before, and it becomes a part of our DNA. And and that's, you know, when we talk about a Western houndsman or an Eastern houndsman, we're all one in the same. But I think in the, the, oh, bit, yeah. the, the larger view of things, Chris and I love hounds. We love hound people. We hope to be able to do this as long as we possibly can. Some of us don't have as long as others, unfortunately. But uh, I think that's who we are and why we wanted to do this podcast. And it, it came down in our many discussions was we want to bring all those hounds people together with under one with one purpose, and that is to preserve this sport for future generations. Cool. I got two other questions I'm going to ask each of you. I'll start with Chris. How did it start, and what would you do differently? I mean, you don't, you, you're, you're still pretty early on, you know, so you got, what, five or six podcasts at this point? Uh, done, or how many have you done? We've done seven podcasts. Done seven okay, today. So you're experts now. So, oh, so we'll and, just, <laughs> now that you're experts on this deal, yeah, that's, what would you do that's differently? Why we had know, that I, big, I, I always learn from my mistakes. That's why we had that big technical discussion before we got this one started because we've we've got this figured out. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So, the podcast. I've been I've been waiting to be able to share this, and uh, <clears throat> the podcast was actually uh something that that i thought i didn't even think of it i'm not even going to go there 
a, a good friend of mine um, who was – I went to college with him, uh, worked with him for several years. He was a chief of police. I was a conservation officer. We got together often. We hunted together. He was not a houndsman. He was a traditional bow hunter. Um, he was – in Compton, traditional bow hunters, uh, uh, and very heavily involved in, in archery and deer, <clears throat> deer hunting, things like that. So he and I would eat lunch often together. And as he rose in, uh, the association to the vice president spot of Compton's traditional bow hunting, then, uh, uh, he, st- he and I started talking about podcasts and I started listening to podcasts and I, I was very entertained. I, uh, I was very intrigued about doing podcasts. And, um, so I started looking at, I started listening first and seeing how effective it could be to get the message out there about things like the model for North American wildlife conservation, um, raising awareness on current events happening, uh, you know, techniques that people are using from around the country and showcasing how hunters are doing things in Arizona to Alaska to Maine. And it was all captured in this podcasting medium. And so I knew that in order for this thing to be successful, then I was going to need to partner with somebody who had a lot of experience. And Steve and I worked together for, for a lot of years on different projects and I knew that the the span of influence that Steve had, that he could be a credible voice for this this program. And I called him, and this was actually December or January. Jan, I think it was January of 2018. I said we need to think about this, and we kicked it around and we talked about it. And and I was working full time as a conservation officer before I retired, and then. Uh, uh, so I ended up retiring in November and I had another job opportunity and everything was really going well. And then the friend of mine that I was talking about, David Hewitt, he was killed in a car wreck and, um, I had the opportunity to make a decision right there, whether I was going to watch this thing pass me by or I was going to immerse myself into it and take advantage of it. I mean, he and I sat around and talked about all the things we wanted to do in retirement, uh, the hunting trips we wanted to take, the things we wanted to do. And I felt like this podcast was important, not only for, for me and for houndsmen, for houndsmen and for me, I should say, but it was also kind of a life lesson when, when David was killed in the car crash. So that's been the driving force for me to make this thing happen, do it the best I can do it at the highest quality effectively and, and really spread a good message. So that's, that's how I got into it. Well, buddy, if I can add a little to that, I remember when Chris did present the idea to me and, for years, I had wanted to have some type of a radio program for hunters that, and of course, again, I was living, swimming in that tank of competition hunters and, and all those events, literally thousands of them occurring across the country each year. And, and having, you know, I, I would, I, I listened to enough whispering deer hunters and bass kissing fishermen 
to know that we needed we needed something for the hounds people, you know. But I knew that, and I thought, wow, it would be great just to have a syndicated radio program on on Sunday nights after all the big events, and we could have call-ins and do all these things and all these things. And you know, it, it was a dream, but nothing that I ever really thought very seriously about. But then uh, when Chris began to present the idea of the podcast, I said, you know what, that might be a way that I can realize uh, realize that dream as well. So, uh, but you know that again, I think I've talked enough about what drives me to do this. But uh, for me, it was an opportunity uh, to do something I've loved since I was a teenager when I was a secretary for a little coon club in Southern West Virginia. And they wanted me to sell the soft drinks, take the entries, crank the water race uh, lure across the pond, lay the field trial drags, put the ad in the paper, buy the trophies, <laughs> all of that. And, and from that time, I could never get enough of, of hounds and hound hunting. So this is in retirement. I'm retired. I've been retired since 2011. I retired with the American Kennel Club. And uh, after being with the UKC and PKC, but um, this has been uh, something that I've enjoyed a lot. It's been difficult. Uh, Chris and I continue to struggle <laughs> with the technology, and we can. Only thing we can tell you is we're working on it, and we're not going to let it go until it gets better. Well, that's good. Like I said, I. Uh... A guy, one of my friends, he, Matt, worked with us, and he did a lot of these podcasts and listened to it. And I know he, and and Jason also were talking about, you know, we need to do a podcast for W. And I always look at him. I said, go for it. <laughs> I don't, I don't have the time to try it. And we may still do something with it sometime, you know. But, but when you guys um, had this going, I always looked at it and go, huh? You know, we. I think it's, I think it's a good idea. You know, what I mean, like I, I wish. With everything I helped with was just made it easy. I don't know that it, it makes it successful or not, but but I'd I'd be happy to try to you know make this work out for you guys and where we can help we can we can help. But that was what my questions and two cents for you guys were. <laughs> well, buddy, I can tell you that um, podcast we had we didn't know what to expect. Uh, I thought we could be successful with it, and we. We definitely are not where we want to be yet. We're going to continue, like Steve said, to bring quality for our listeners. But right at this point in time, we're actually surpassing any projections that we ever had from our producer and things like that. Um, I think we're still averaging about um, uh, 300 downloads a day on our on our podcast. I haven't ran the numbers lately, but at one time we were at 263, and then a week week, week went by. And uh, our our likes and our subscribers and our our uh, reviews and things on on Apple Podcasts and the different podcast venues, uh, we're, we're still climbing. So none of this would be possible if the listeners out there didn't want to listen to this kind of content and did some research before we started. There's there the field was wide open. So, um, it wasn't like we were trying to start a podcast on something that's already been done a thousand times. So our listeners are very important to us. We wish we would get, I w I personally wish we would get more feedback from our listeners, um, questions or comments or, you know, whatever, uh, 
form they want on our messenger or through email or whatever. We're getting a few, but you know, we want to hear from people, you know, and, and let us know how we're doing or ask us questions or, or whatever they want there. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I was just thinking like 300. So the bar of me is like 250 and I'm at least a B B minus, right? If I, if I, if I get that many downloads on this one, do people want to hear me talk and gab? <laughs> I think I, th- well, I think our relationship between Houndsman XP and W um, is going to be a very good one. I think it's going to be, it's going to be mutually beneficial. And, um, uh, I think you're, I think we're going to be the main beneficiaries here, buddy. Um, in, in my mind, I think, but, but we want, we want to, uh, grow with, grow with you and, and grow with, uh, W as well. So. Well, I think it helps the, the sport of the hounds that we're, we're, we're definitely, that we want to be a part of it. So. Steve, go ahead. Going right. Well, I, I'm just excited about some of the things that are going. Are we going to talk about uh, some of the new uh, logo wear that's coming? Are you ready to talk about that, buddy? Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm good. Yeah. So I think it's important that we go ahead and talk about W a little bit more. It is oh. so. It is so easy to go online, type in W in your in your search engine. <clears throat> and and bring up w's website um to me unless you've been living under a rock you've surely seen the w logo out there and uh, i've been intrigued by i've got a at least one shirt maybe two that was very well designed and i purchased them i just threw them on and rounded up you know on my order because i thought it was a cool shirt i may i may have ordered the shirt and rounded up with a t5 collar i'm not sure i think that's (laughs) what i told my wife but um so this logo wear that we've got coming out buddy you've been extremely generous on this um, your graphics designer has designed logo wear for Houndsman XP and W is going to be the exclusive dealer for all Houndsman XP logo wear. Uh, we're going to start out with a t-shirt and, uh, we've been working on that design and it's going to be coming out. What's our launch date on that, buddy? What are you thinking? Uh, did you and Bill get kind of dialed in on your graphics on your t-shirt <laughs> we're there <laughs> i don't know i've been busy i have bill just looks at me and just growls now i can't get an answer out of him i got him working too much stuff too busy right now but uh if you got that design going you know we yeah. it normally takes us around two weeks to get shirts printed so, so i think we can, i think we're you know, by the time this podcast release we're actually in production for today the that this comes out is the 17th and um, when this comes out, it should be ready to rock and roll. And if it's not, it'll be just a couple days. Yeah, I, I think that you, you tell me you want these ready by the 17th. We'll have them on on the 17th. And, and I'd just like to point out, is, is this kind of the creative idea behind it and the thought process between the back and forth was, you know, for guys to help support you, um, the Houndsman XP podcast, we're going to take care of the printing of the shirts and, and getting them listed and getting them shipped out. And all of the 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 profits and and you know so whatever these guys whatever you're gonna sell these shirts at um, that we're gonna send that directly to you guys to cover your expenses and get this podcast working. So 
anybody that that's listening in and wants to support your your podcast, which I think is important for people, um, you buy the shirt, and all of that money is going to be in a check to to you know Chris and the, and you know uh, uh, Steve at the Houndsman XP podcast. We're not going to make it. I told him I said I don't want to make a profit off of other people, and it's just like our association. You know, we don't we don't take a cut of that. We we want it all to go to you guys. So. Well, buddy, I, we certainly hope that our listeners are going to take a look at uh, the great products and the great customer service and, and the reviews that you get. Again, I want to make sure our our listeners understand that it is double, D-O-U-B-L-E, and the letter U is double. Th- thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> I've been spelling that out for, for a lot of years now. It's just a little bit of a poke in the side there, Steve. I think I think you did that on, on purpose. I just want to make sure they know how to find you so they don't start Googling W and they get George Bush instead. You know? <laughs> oh, the pain of the, my, my, the way I name my business, man. I, it, it will never leave. It's always going to be there. Well, well, it's a great brand, you know, and, and just so people know, you know, there is, there is an initial investment for starting a podcast. There is expense involved in doing this. Um, but my view, and I think I share Steve's view in this is we want to establish the Houndsman XP brand as one of integrity that is always working for the houndsman and bringing a credible voice uh, to the houndsman in a way that my goal is, is for Steve Ranella of Meat Eater to tune in to listen to my podcast and take something away. You know what I mean? Um, uh, We want to talk about the things like the model of North American wildlife management and uh, provide education and get better sound equipment so that we can do a better job of, of uh, sharing our passion and the passion of, of houndsmen across the United States. And, and that just, it sounds fun, but I got to tell you, it's, it's expensive. It's expensive to do it. Well, well so, you know, Steve went on a hunt with, with, with the dogs. Uh, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago. We had to chase down who, who he went on with and try and get him on your show to talk about his hunt with dogs. Sure, sure. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Well, that's one of the great things about this, buddy, is the people that we're meeting. And it's just like meeting you and getting to have these conversations with you, uh, both uh, on the uh, online and off. Uh, it's a great b- fringe benefit for me. And and my job over the years was like, a, you know, it, it it was fun because of the people. And uh, this podcasting has proven to be the same. But uh, we've, you know, I think Chris will agree with me. You know, we have not been 100% happy with our sound on these podcasts. And that's something that we're working on to bring the level up and to, to make it first class in every way because we believe, and I know you think this about your customers at WU that these hounds people out here are worth the very best that we can provide for them. And, and we're not going to rest until we can do that. I, or at least I'm not. And I know Chris isn't. Nope. 
Nope. You know, one thing about the hound, hound that I've learned is, is they're down-to-earth people. You know, they're, they're good. I mean, our customers, the houndsmen, it, they're the best customers you can have. You know what I mean? Like, they will, they'll, you don't have to be perfect. <laughs> you know, you got to admit right. when you're wrong. But, but uh, they, they really, uh, they're forgiving, and, and they're really the best of the, you know, salt of the earth kind of people and, and so i think as long as you're honest with them they'll be honest with you and i think it'll be good yeah and, and my work buddy obviously you can you can guess that there was some adversarial relationships there between game wardens and houndsmen it's i was gonna to be, say you use the word conservation officer and not game i noticed yeah. that i was gonna point that out for you but <laughs> <laughs> i don't mind i don't mind being called a game mm. warden in my mind the uh you know, a game warden is, is a lot closer to what the type of job that I wanted to do for a number of years in conservation officer. Um, and that's a whole different podcast. But I just saw a group of sportsmen who were not being fairly represented. Um, they didn't have a, they didn't have not have an equal voice at the bargaining table. Uh, you know, the, a lot of the laws and, and different things that were written pertaining to hound hunters, nobody ever called anybody and asked their opinion on, uh, you know, maybe a fur bearer's biologist or something like that. But but there was no organized group that that had input on that sort of stuff. And and that's what I want to do with the podcast is, is maybe not lead the charge because I can't lead the charge for somebody in Utah that I don't ha- have any clue what needs to be done out there but i've got an idea of the way it needs to be done because i have been able to sit in some of those closed door meetings after everybody goes home and you hear the real decision makers in the room and they're they're talking about this or they're talking about that um, about which direction they're going to go and and so that's a lot of insight that that isn't readily available out there to um to your average houndsman and that's that's what we hope to hope to bring to the show. That's that's my input, um, and my passion. Besides hound hunting, right on. Well, Steve, you got some concluders for this thing. Well, uh, first of all, again, I think the relationship between Houndsman XP and W Hound or Hunting Supply is as the old saying back in the hills where I come from is a marriage made in heaven because we have the same goals. Uh, I think we have the same heart we share and, uh, I'm not getting choked up. I'm, I think I feel a cough spasm coming on here. Chris, take this for a All minute. All right. I'll take it over. Buddy, you got any concluders? I, I was just going to ask, is that was like the, is this the second or third marriage in a hound relationship? Because normally we always joke that, uh, you know, I, I can't remember my third ex-wife's name, but I can remember every <laughs> dog I've had for the last 20 years. When he says a marriage, I'm trying to figure out, is, it, is this the second marriage? Or the, which one's going to be successful? Because hopefully ta- the first one works, right? Yeah, you got you got to take into consideration, Steve is an author. Yeah. So he sits around and uses <laughs> big words and articulates very well. Well, you guys were talking about your wives earlier. Okay. And and just to be fair to a terrific lady here that puts up with all my running around the country and all, Miss Ella and I went to high school together. We were sweethearts, and and we went our separate ways about college time and didn't see each other for 35 years. And thanks to Al Gore's Internet, we got back together, 
and uh, just having a wonderful <laughs> life here in Florida. So I, I can appreciate everything you're saying about your wives because I, I have one that's pretty special too. Yes. yes just absolutely. thought I'd throw that in. <laughs> yeah. Well, buddy, buddy, what kind of expectations do you have of uh, uh, your involvement with, with us as a concluder? Um, you know, I, I always set my expectations low so I can meet them. Um, you know what I mean? If we, that's why I said, if we get 250, I'm good. If you got 300 and I make 250, well, I'm cool with that. Um, I, you know, if, if we started off and, and talk about dogs and, and keep the focus on dogs, I think, I think it'll be something we want to stay a part of. That's, that's, that's my expectations. You know, let's, let's, uh, I don't like talking about me too much, but I'd hope to, to tune in and listen about some dogs. Great, great. Well, Steve, how about wrapping this thing up for us? Well, buddy, we have a way of closing this thing out. I borrowed the the uh, words that I heard one day in West Virginia as we were attempting to start a sheep-killing bear track, and everybody wanted to go one way except my friend John Harris. And he said, fellas, you follow your hound. I'll follow mine.